When I had come down this hill, I had seen this creature cross the road. They would have ripped my locked door from my truck, extracted me from my vehicle, and there wouldn't have been a damn thing I could have done about it. This thing, I got to notice in its eyes. Its eyes was real, real evil, real sinister looking. You know, the look it was giving me. Welcome to Bigfoot Hotspot Radio, Sasquatch Chronicles. I'm your host, Wes, along with my brother, Woody, and researcher, author, and friend, William Jeffy. Let's start the show. Did you guys see, I know Shannon and I were just talking about it, Well, did you see the human bait in the newspaper? I, I didn't see it in the newspaper, but I saw it online. Yeah. It's pretty hilarious. It says, human bait needed volunteer position for a Bigfoot research project this fall in Texas. Safety not guaranteed, must have strong work ethic, and some camping skills. Reward is fame. (laughs) Yeah, but you might lose your life. (laughs) Yeah, fame until you're eaten. You know, people come up with some of the most foolish things in this business. It's no wonder nobody takes the subject seriously. Did you, uh, I know we've been getting a lot of responses for the Spotsville Monster, the part two. I have been in contact with Rosalie's son, and he's still, he's kind of in the process of moving at the moment, but we're going to have him on the show in the future to discuss part part two of the Spotsville Monster, so everyone hold tight for that. Did you guys see the, I know we talked about it, did you guys see the Bigfoot watching train statue that was created by the creator of Rick Dyer's uh, Hank Prop, the fake Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. Now, we, we know for sure that this guy who created that says that he did create Hank. Yeah, his name's Chris Russell. He's a guy that did the creation of uh, the Rick Dyer Hank Prop. And, you know, it's like I was telling you guys, I don't know if this guy has a job or what, but uh, I'm sure it's time to... <laughs> He sure has time to uh, <laughs> create Bigfoot statues and then put them up. I remember when I, I first saw the picture, probably about two weeks ago, might have even been three weeks ago, it, it reminded me of the Harry and the Hendersons Bigfoot. It kind of looked yeah. like that. That's going to throw a wrench in Dyer's uh, February release of the autopsy on Hank. Yep, the big results are supposed to come out, right? That's That's what it says, yeah. Yeah, well, he's found Jesus. He's got other things going on right now. <laughs> he doesn't fake Bigfoot Bigfoot uh, suits anymore, any Bigfoot bodies. He's uh, he's at church finding Jesus. 
Yeah, it's not that people don't believe in Bigfoot anymore. It's that people don't believe in Dyer anymore. Finally, hopefully. Let's hope Dyer doesn't host Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> He'll have a whole other horde of fans coming after him, you know? Well, the, the ramifications for Mr. Dyer might not be so good in the afterlife. <laughs> right. Really playing a fire there. You know, there's a cool new movie coming out called Exist. And I was going to play a clip of it. The problem with playing a clip of this movie is it doesn't work in the audio format, the podcast format of our show, because it just sounds like a bunch of scary music and a bunch of scary sounds, and you don't really get a feel for what's going on unless you're watching it. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's the same guy that created the Blair Witch Project. It looks good. I mean, it's your kind of looks like your typical scary Bigfoot film. Yeah, I saw some of the special effects for it. It looks, it's going to be entertaining. It's sort of in the vein of uh, what Justin Steely was, uh, what he produced. Yeah, not, not it's kind the same of quality though. You know, it's funny. Instead of watching something like that, and I know we've talked about this on our behind the scenes, the video I posted up on our Facebook fan page. But you know, when it when it's more of the real stuff, it's really really interesting. They, there's this documentary. I'm going to post up on our Facebook fan page. It's on the trail of Bigfoot. It's a 2002 documentary. It has people come on, talk about their encounters. They talk about this creature, if it exists or if it doesn't exist, and and they bring different people on, but different people talk about their encounters. I found that way more fascinating than sitting down watching like a movie exists. Probably one of the first films, you know, The Legend of Boggy Creek, the old one. Um, and what was fascinating to me, you know, the teenager when I saw that was it was a lot of times the actual people who had the encounters were, were doing the reenactments. And to me, that just kind of put me on the edge of, the, of my seat watching it. Yeah, I think if it's based on a true story or it's based in reality, it's more fascinating than like a movie exists. Even though it looks good, I think it'd be cool, fun to go watch it. I'll probably go watch it. But I think something more based on reality or based on a true story of events like with the legend of boggy creek i think it's more fascinating than made up filmmaker you know hollywood filmmaking yeah i totally agree yeah and if you get the people in a location of their sighting i'm sure that just brings all the memories rushing right back i don't care if it was probably 30 years ago and definitely tell the difference yeah, the only other thing I want to talk to you guys about before we bring the guest on was um, Dr. Anna Nakaris. She's a director at uh, Oxford University, and she's the one that actually discovered the slow loris, the primate. And it's a primate that's found in southern Asia. I know we're uh, trying to coordinate getting her on the show, being that she's in a different country and different time zones and everything, but she's... She said she'd love, love to come on the show and talk about Sasquatch, talk about the, the slow loris. Did you guys know this is a poisonous primate? I heard that, yes. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, it's the only poisonous primate out there. It has a venomous bite, um, and it can cause scarring. It can cause death due to shock. And it's kind of a creepy little thing. I'm mean, Hopefully I don't offend <laughs> Anna, but it's kind of a creepy primate. <laughs> It does look creepy. I agree. And now that we know it's venomous, it's even more creepy. Yeah, I wonder why it would need to develop, you know, the ability to be venomous. Why would it need a venomous bite to live there? 
That's very interesting. Yeah, it's a pretty tiny primate. It's pretty small. I wonder if that's kind of why it has the venomous bite. I wanted to welcome Carla to the show, and Carla had found tracks. She had seen the creature tracking her through the woods. Uh, It sounded like a fascinating story, and I wanted to go ahead and welcome her to the show. Let's start off with um, what you you know about the subject before you... I don't know. I just kind of looked at it like maybe like a fairy tale because my mom had told me a couple of stories and when I was younger and I kind of forgot about them, but I guess just more you like a fairy, really, you know what I mean? Just a fairy tale. Didn't really think much of it then. Right. Just uh, kind of, how, how long, it was just a how story. How long this um, The very first one with my, me and my son was in 2009, which it wasn't, we didn't see, we just seen the tracks and I didn't really, I mean, it, he seen them and he was like, got scared because the, I, the ditches, I call, we call them ditches here. They're kind of, they run off into a river, but they're like, the banks are like 15 foot high. But the farmers around here pump them for rice. So they'll just kind of be almost dry, but they'll just have like pools of water, little deep holes of water you can fish in and stuff like that. Right. And we used, so what, what it was, a, we were what out there fishing. You, oh, that's how, that's how you found the track. Okay. We found the track, he found the tracks, and he got scared, and I was like, I kind of thought when I seen, I mean, they did look like, I mean, they were a human, but huge, and I was, I was thinking, well, could the sand have, you know, like, expanded, or, but it had, like, so much detail, and it had, like, kind of the weird thing about it, it was, I mean, it kind of looked like a human print with the toes, the toes all looked human, but kind of, I don't know, kind of towards the middle, I guess. It kind of had taper, tapered down, like had this little bit of a line, not a distinct line, but then and then a heel print. Um, and after watching, like doing some research, I guess it would be what they called like maybe a mid-tarsal break. And because I looked it up because I was like, we don't have bear and stuff here. Like there's, I mean, they're just deer. It's pretty much the biggest animal we have here, I guess. I mean, there's bobcats, but they don't get real huge. But I kind of, and they, the, we was trying to make the step, you know, from one to the other. Cause there wasn't like several, I mean, it was just like step, 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 step. It walked right to this deep pool where we were walking to to fish. And there was this big old pile of clams. They were all cracked open and um, had been piled up there. And I told him, I'm like, oh, well, coons can do that, you know. But I got creeped out and I just tried to act like I wasn't scared and it just kind of got, when to see, see how big this track was or tracks, it was scary. It was just tracks, but I was thinking, how long ago was those made? And it's getting kind of dark time, you know. Towards we we're gonna night fish, so it was towards the evening because we had to get up there, set up, and kind of get where we're gonna be at. And then had our you know little flashlights and stuff. I wanted to get all set up so it wouldn't be dark once we started setting up. I didn't want to set up in the dark, and. I kind of got a little creeped out, and I was like, well, let's just not, you know, we'll just not fish here. But I tried to take pictures of it, and I had a little flip phone, and I couldn't get, like, if I held the screen up high enough to get the whole track, couldn't see the whole, like, you just couldn't see it. I just kept getting chunks of it. But it had, like, distinct, like, if I put my finger in the sand, because it's, the sand here, because of the, you normally having water there, it's the sand holds prints really well. Like, you can see, like, even a raccoon track, you'll see, like, lines in the creases of the hands of the raccoon or the paws. And you could see all that in that in those tracks. It took about 
I'm five five. It took almost three pretty decent strides for me to go from track to track, which I didn't step mm-hmm. in them. I stepped next to them. Right. And but anyways, I just got a little creeped out, and I just kind of told him, I'm like, oh, just don't, I said, don't tell nobody about it. Don't tell him we found some weird ass tracks or anything out here. I'm like, just keep your mouth shut about it. Just let it go. And then that was in October 2009. Never seen nothing out there. Never, you know, heard weird stuff, but nothing that I couldn't say. You know, it could be a coyote or a fox or nothing too out of the ordinary. No problem there. We go back. We fish always about October, about when it starts cooling down. We go back out there, and we walked about a mile further down than what we was the first time, and we was looking at deer tracks and things like that and raccoon tracks, and I was pointing out different types of tracks to him, and we found some more of those tracks. It's And just the same thing. It just kind of – they would go from pool these pools of water – because you can walk down this river, and there's just pools of water, so you're down in the river. And it's got about 15 foot on each side of the river bank that's up above your head. And it's out in the middle of, like, woods and fields, and it's kind of, it's out in the middle of nowhere, basically. We called it our honey hole, is what we called it. And so we were walking, and he's like, Mom, there's some more of those tracks. And I look, and it's kind of the same thing. Only this time it looked like there was maybe a scar or something on the foot because you could see like a cre- look like a indention in the sand where it maybe had a crease in the foot mm-hmm. up towards like the just past the toes, like where the your pad would be right past your toes. Right. And only this time they kind of had a little bit of water and like where it had sunk far enough down because it was a pretty, the spot we were walking to was you, even we would sink down and leave kind of pools of water and our, start seeping up. And the prints, our footprint standing there, like, wouldn't sink very, I mean, it would sink down, but not, tr- like, really sink down. But these were pretty deep footprints. And you could see, like, it just looked like it was maybe pretty fresh. And it was the same thing. It was bouncing from pool to pool of this water. And that's what all the animals pretty much do there. Like, you'll see around each pool of water, you'll see animal tracks where things come there to eat and drink. and a lot of it's easy to fish. I mean, an animal probably could reach out in there and grab fish out because it's everything. They call them mud cats. They kind of get trapped in those little pools of water, and they can't go anywhere. So that's why we fish there because we don't fish there to eat. We don't fish. We eat. We don't eat them. We just throw them back in. So we just fish for those mud cats. I just he just likes to catch any kind of fish really, and so I was like, well, that's kind of weird. And I told my mom about it, and she was like, well. She's like, you remember the story that what happened to uh, our neighbor, don't you? And I said, no. And she said that um, in the around 83, 84, she said that uh, they had a neighbor that had raised hogs. And he had a hog that something had happened to its leg, and it had only had three three legs. And she said, uh, she said what can only be described as a Bigfoot was out there messing around. The animals was going crazy, and uh, he went and got my grandpa. And they both went out to the bar, you know, where the hogs was and by the barn, and they seen one had snatched a hog up underneath this arm, and it was a big hog, and took off running with it. I was like, are you serious? You know, I just, I was like, I remember hearing that, and I, and I didn't think too much. I was like, well, I don't know. I said, I can't say these. I said, I, I said, I don't know. I said, I don't know much about tracks. I said, but it was enough that as big as they were, 
it was that was scary to me because it was just me and my son. We didn't have no gun. We just had fishing poles. And I kept trying to logically think, like, what could make a track that big? And a human wouldn't be down in those spots with no shoes on because around here people throw off their, I mean, they might throw an old washer off or old tires or, I mean, there's just junk everywhere. I mean, there, you might find a piece of tin sticking, you know, a sharp piece of tin sticking up out of the ground. And where we, because it floods here a lot too. So all that stuff kind of gets washed off in these ditches. And, I mean, nobody would be out there walking around barefooted. You just, that would be right, stupid. You'd down. get hurt. I mean, you'd step on something, without a doubt, you would end up with a sliced foot or a rusty nail or something like that in your foot. And so she had told me about the, that story, and that even kind of just made me think. I was like, well, I so I didn't think they would be around here. And for some reason, when she told me that story, I thought that happened, the way she told me, I thought it happened when they lived in southern Illinois. but. Until here the other day, she told me, she's like, no, that was all here. She said, just down on T Highway, which is about uh, driving, it's about 10 minutes from my house. And uh, 10 minutes from that spot we were fishing. And I told mom, I was like, I always thought that was all that happened in southern Illinois. And she said, no. And she said, that was, she said, the one that grabbed the hog was on T Highway. And she said, now, she said, we also had a house, she said, in Fairdilling, which is, it's kind of all right there in one area. We have a lot of little town. It's a lot of little towns, but they're more like villages because, like, Fairdale might have a hundred people in it, and on T the town by T Highway has maybe fifty people in it. On I that's probably exaggerating. And the town I live in is got about four to six hundred people in it, give or take. It's just all like little farm communities, basically scattered out throughout here. And she said that. A house they had rented there in Fairdilling, there was an old abandoned sawmill, and she said they would always hear really, like, loud screams and things like that out there, and it kind of, she said it just scared them, and she said uh, her brother and his family was at her at her house. They were down visiting from southern Illinois, and they were staying at the house, and she had left and went somewhere, and she said her brother grabbed had to grab his wife and kids up because there was one messing with them at that house. And she said the house was kind of in the middle of nowhere, and there's an old abandoned sawmill back there. And she said it scared – and my uncle, he's a big guy. Like, he was – been in the military. I mean, he's a big guy. Like, I didn't think anything – I don't see how anything would scare him. He just is – he's just not the type of guy that gets scared. And he grabbed his wife and kids up and left. And she said that when he went to go get his, his brother, it had tore the house apart. It tore, ripped the burners off the stoves cabinets down he actually went in the house yeah it she said it destroyed she said all they had because it was a old farmhouse and they used it like a summer home and she said they were trying to fix it up and she said all they had on the front door was just like a just an old kind of had the wood frame and the screen over i mean this is like you know in the 80s it just had the screen on kind of a big roll of screen stapled down to that door and a little spring that kind of you know it swing open and pop back that's the only kind of door they had on the front of it, just to keep the mosquitoes out. It was almost like a little, almost basically a tent only made of wood, basically, the way she described it. She said it wasn't much, not really much of a house, but they just used it for kind of go out and camp there and have a, wouldn't have to worry about the rain so much. And she said it, it tore the house up. up. Yeah. And he came back with him and, him and his, his brother or their brother, um, 
they're both big guys. So, well, when he went and got my Uncle Richard, he laughed at him, you know, and he's like, you are out of your mind and was just kind of making fun of him. And he's like, oh, I'll go with you, scaredy cat. And, you know, was like, I'll go back there and big brother go scare it off. And, you know, he really just thought he was imagining it, you know, or I don't know, maybe thought it was a coon. And he's like, it's probably a raccoon. And you just got all scared and was really just making fun of him. And so they both went there, left his wife and kids, you know, at my Uncle Richard's house. And my Uncle Larry went back to the, and my Uncle Richard went back to the house that happened at. And that's when they realized everything was tore apart. And my Uncle Richard had brought his beagle with them. And the beagle took off doing its bark after something. And whatever it was, picked the beagle up and threw it against the house and almost killed it. It broke two of its legs and fractured its shoulder. And they said it couldn't hardly walk. And they said you could just hear, you know, and they said it was running towards that old abandoned sawmill. So she told me, and she's like, that's all within a 10, 15-minute drive of where me and my son seen these tracks. So I found the tracks in 2009 in October, not the same day in October, and I couldn't even tell you what day in October it was. I just remember it was October because we was getting ready for Halloween. And 2010, we found tracks, and then 2000. 11, we found tracks, but there was like a smaller set by it. Like it was like a big set and a little set. Not little, but littler than the big ones. And I could put my foot, see I wear a size 8, and I could put my foot toe-to-toe and my foot was not nearly that wide. Like I'd probably maybe stand foot-to-foot and that'd be about the width. And then toe-to-toe still wouldn't be quite as big as that track. But I kind of, I don't know, I don't know, I just kind of, I was creeped out by it, but I didn't, I don't guess I just really, I don't know, I just, I guess kind of talked myself out of what it could, you know, I was like, there's no way that's what it is. They're not around here, that's ridiculous, like, they probably don't even exist. And I'm like, I just had this thing that's like a fairy tale, just a scary story people tell is what I kind of thought of it. And so, anyways, November comes and my son wanted to go hunting. And I said, well, we'll walk down there to the woods. And we can hunt right there. And so no big deal. I take him for his first hunt. He had said, everybody in school killed a deer but me, and I want to kill a deer. And so I go to take him out there, and we're getting all set up and stuff and get all set up. And he's like, I don't want to be here. And he had been, I don't think he slept a wink that night because he was so excited about going hunting. I kept telling him, you need to get some sleep if you're going to hunt in the morning. He's like, I can't sleep. I'm excited. And he was, you know, checking his backpack to see if he had his calls and his scent. And, you know, he was all just did I trying to make sure he got everything and just all kinds of excited. It was like, we get out there, and he's like, are you kind of creeped out? And I'm like, no. And I said, it's just because it's still kind of dark. It ain't even daylight yet. You're just, I said, you'll just it'll get daylight, and you'll be fine. And then we're sitting there, and I kept, it sounded like something was walking. Of course, we're thinking deer. And I'm like, you know quietly tell him not be quiet and just breathe and relax and don't just shoot you know and I'm giving him all these pointers I'm like it's not close enough but it sounds like it's walking you know coming this way and he's getting kind of you know excited and getting all ready and you know we're kind of looking around and trying to be quiet and he kind of just put breathe in and I thought he just I thought he seen the deer and I'm like you know he has one in his sights and I'm like it's okay I'm like where's it at and he's like he just I mean, he had no color to him, and he just, he wouldn't breathe, he wouldn't answer me, I mean, he just was froze, and I'm just, now I'm kind of like looking around, and 
I'm thinking he's got maybe some buck fever going on, and he's just seen a deer in pros. And I'm kind of nudging him, and he just don't say anything, and he just points. And I could just see this black outline, and I'm looking, and my brain's going, okay, it's, what is that? It's a tree. There's, I mean, it, of course, I'd look down there a hundred times, but it just, I thought, how come I didn't notice the shape of that tree? That looks weird. And I just kept looking, and I'm kind of getting a little nervous, and now I'm getting creeped out. And I'm looking, and I'm like, it's just standing really still. There's no movement. And I'm kind of getting nervous, and I'm getting, you know, shaking, and I get the flashlight, and all, like, I'm an idiot. I don't know. I just really, I took a little, um, kind of like a little miniature LED mag light thing. It's not a great big one. It's not a spotlight. It's not much of any a flashlight at all. I just pretty much enough we could walk out there is all I was thinking of taking because I knew it was going to be getting daylight soon. So I didn't take no great big flashlight where I could see real great. And... I'm trying to get the flashlight on, and I'm looking down there, and the flashlight won't quite make it to where it's at. And he's like, I want to go now. Let's go. Let's go. I want to go now. And I'm like, we can't. I'm like, just calm down. And I'm like, what are you seeing? He's like, there's something big and black. And I'm like, where is it? And I'm like, telling you know, like, show me where you're looking at. And I'm, you know, kind of acting like I don't see it to make sure we're not, if to see if we're seeing the same thing or what's going on. And he points right at where I was looking at. And he, I'm like, do you, I said, what does it look like? And he said, it looks like a monster. And I said, Brian, there's no monsters. Just calm down. There's no monsters. And he's like, Mom, I want to go. Please take me home. And he's like, take the gun. Take the gun. Shoot shoot at it. Shoot at it. And I'm like, Brian, I'm not shooting it. I said, I can't even see what it is. I said, just calm down. I said, it's probably just a tree. I said, sometimes, I said, sometimes your brain makes you think you see stuff. I said, it's, I said, you'll just naturally see shapes and, faces and things I said it's common I said just calm down you're I said you're getting all worked up over nothing well I'm sitting here talking to him and kind of trying to calm him down and get my stuff together a little bit and figure out what to do and I look again and it looks like it's a little bit closer I'm like don't I said just here I'm I'm telling him like look in the bag for a deer call let's make sure it's not a deer you know he's like mom it's not a deer I want to go and I'm like trying to get him where he won't look down that way I'm keep looking and it's when I every time I would look it would stop it, it would just stand still the tree and then next like if I kind of got preoccupied or started trying to get our stuff together because at this point I'm ready to go I'm trying to get his deer call and make sure the gun's not going to go off going down the tree stand because we're both shaking he's scared I'm scared I'm trying not to act scared because I didn't want him to be more scared and um, he's like, I'm talking to him, and I look, and it's a little bit closer. But then every time I would look that way, it would stop moving. And I could, all I could see was, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't say a human shape because it was huge, but, and I'm t- like looking at the trees, and I'm trying to judge because we'd scouted out the area, and I kind of picked out like kind of tree, you know, I, I don't know, I'm good with, I'm bad with directions, but I'm good with landmarks. And, like, if I'm going through the woods, I kind of pick out, like, oh, that stump looks like this or this looks like that. So I do better with, like, landmarks like that. So I'm trying to picture how big is that tree, you know, the distance of it, and think about how far that would be. And he's, of course, you know, completely panicking. And I'm thinking, that's, I know that, I know that's, that's, that's something very tall. 
and I'm running through my mind trying to think, okay, like, could, like, is, I don't know, could there be like a rogue bear here that's like, I don't know, like a grizzly or something? <laughs> and I'm just steadily panicking, panicking, and I'm like, okay, Brian, we're leaving, just calm down. And I just, finally, I asked him, I said, look, I said, does it look like it's getting closer? And I said, don't freak out. I'm like, because it's not that close, but does it look like it's closer to you? And he's like, yes. And he's like, it's, I think it's getting closer. Well, we could hear something to our, to our left. I could hear something like twigs breaking. It didn't sound horribly, you know, like real heavy. It just, you hear a snap and then maybe a snap. And he's like, that's, he said that, whatever that is, is closer. And I'm like, well, that's definitely got to be a deer. That's definitely got to be a deer. And he said, Mom, if there's no deer, if whatever that is, there's not going to be a deer walking up to that thing. And I'm like, Brian, it's probably nothing. And so we get down, get all our stuff together. And as we're walking back, I kind of, you know, I turn around and kind of glance back. And I'm telling him, just walk to walk to the car. Don't look. Just walk to the car. And the figure, I'm keep kind of keeping my eye on it the best I can. And it completely sidestep up off the because we walk down by the river so it goes down the river bank crosses the the river ditch up the other bank and it's now on the other side which is the opposite side of the river as us and at that point I pretty much was just like I just told my son to run we left he had those with he worked for his he mowed yards and stuff for his money pretty much everything he bought for hunting like we just left it there because I panicked. I, you know, I didn't want to, I pretty much dropped everything but the gun and we left everything there. And we don't, we don't go out there anymore at all. Like that, we, we went fishing there every summer, all summer, all the way up till it was really kind of getting too cold to fish, but we still would go. We've done this, like I said, since about 2009. So all the way up until 2010 or 2011 was the last, we don't go out there anymore since November 2011. Now, we've drove out there on the highway where you can look down the river, but we don't go to those woods and we don't fish there no more. And now they've dug it because we had flooding issues here. They dug that out deeper, so now it don't dry up. It's got water. Because my mom was like, well, why don't you try going back out there around October and just seeing if you see tracks again? But you can't because it's, I mean, I guess you could maybe on each side of it, but not like walking down the river, you could like the river bed. You can't walk down that no more. It's all dug out, and water flows there all the time now. Do you know if anybody else in the, in the towns there have talked about seeing anything around there? Um, some of the older people have, but nobody that like nobody that I like necessarily. I mean, I've talked to people that's talked about it. Or kind of, this kind of the same thing. I just always thought it was it was kind of the older generation. What I thought telling stories you know i mean just nothing i ever thought well you know that's definitely happened or you know what i mean it was just like they would like i've had old people tell me you know don't go out you don't need to go out in the woods out here you know because i'm you know being a girl and at the time i was a single mom but i tried to do stuff with my son that a dad would do you know i didn't want him to kind of miss out on on that kind of stuff so like hunting and fishing and so i kind of taught myself to hunt and try to do boy things with him and they would, t- you know, I would ask, you know, usually the older people around here that know a lot about the area. I'm like, well, you know, can you hunt out here? Can you, is there any, fish- you know, where are some good fishing holes? And they- there was, you know, a lot of areas 
that they would say, you know, just you don't need to go traipsing off through there. And they'd be like, you know, you there's stuff out there, and I was like, oh, well, they probably just that's a good probably a good fishing hole. And they don't want me out there, or they don't want me taking my kid out there and fishing. It's kind of what I thought. <laughs> right. Because right. I never just I don't know I just really didn't think. I thought, I mean, I didn't necessarily think that there's no possible way they could exist. I just didn't think that they would be, I figured if they did exist, not they wouldn't be around here. I mean, we have a lot of deer, and now they're supposed to be bringing the black, trying to, like, uh, reiterate the black bear. They're bringing some here and trying to get them a breeding population here. But it's what I heard. I've never even seen one. on That could be just a rumor. I've heard older people saying that they're bringing the black bear back. Because they said they had got, you know, I guess they had been pretty well killed out or wiped out or a long time ago, long before my time. And we just Carla, never, I think, have anything big here. Carla, how old was your son when this happened, when he saw this? Um, he's, well, he'll be 14 this December. Okay. So, so he'd been nine years old and then, of course, three years in a row. Which, Well, now the hunting incident, he would have been 11. But the first okay. time we've seen the tracks, he would have been nine. But he hasn't gone back out since. Oh no! Even to go fishing. No, and he—the only time he—the only place he will fish. Now this kid, he has ADHD. So, and fishing was the one thing that he could do and be completely calm. I mean, he could Mm -hmm. fish for hours, and never move a muscle, never say a word, just fish for hours. The only place he'll fish is ponds now. He don't, like, as far as, I mean, me and him used to throw on a backpack with some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and just walk down, you know, rivers or ditches and just, I mean, because I didn't really know of a whole lot of fishing holes. And I, we just kind of do it like an exploring thing. Like, that's why a lot of it will be done in, like, October because we have, people don't go out really in the woods here in the summer months because it, you'll get eaten alive by ticks and mosquitoes because we mm-hmm. have a lot of rice fields here. So mosquitoes are horrible. So a lot, you know, in the summertime, we didn't go necessarily traipsing off through the woods, but when it started getting cool and the mosquitoes went out and you weren't getting ate up by ticks, we'd just throw on a backpack and just, we'd go find a fishing hole. And that's why we called that one our honey hole, because he always, like, no matter when we went there, he would catch, I mean, it may just be perch, but he would catch something mm-hmm. there. So we called that, and we didn't ever tell nobody about our little spot, because we didn't want other people going. He's like, I don't want nobody else going there. They'll catch all our fish. And that was just mm-hmm. kind of mine and his time to just go do stuff. So we'd throw on a backpack and just walk these rivers and find little spots yeah, but, that nobody else went to. And and before you guys decided to finally head for the head for the car, you know, at its closest point, can you guess about how far that was from oh, you God. guys? I'm I'm terrible with measurement. Um, it was I don't even know how far. I really honestly couldn't tell you. Other than when I first seen it, it just I mean, I couldn't see any, it was just enough I could kind of just see an outline. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell, that's why at first I thought it was a tree and that I hadn't noticed and my mind might have been morphing it into a shape or, you know. How, how about and, car length? You know how many, how many maybe car lengths away it might have been? Uh, let's see. I drive an Envoy, so probably, let me think of this, maybe six, seven, but it was dark. I mean, it's it was dark. I'm not going to lie. It was it wasn't, wasn't a whole lot of moonlight, foggy. You know, it was dark. Probably less than 100 feet then. And that's why I kept thinking, I just kept thinking it's a tree, it's a tree, it's a tree. But 
I kept thinking, well, why is it like it just kept getting more like clearer, clearer? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah, it's crazy. There's uh, very few stories that that creep me out, but that one creeps me out, Carla. I don't blame your son for uh, not wanting to go fishing anymore. Yeah, or over like a freak anymore. Now, if there's a guy with us, you know, I guess maybe he feels a little more protected because, you know, I was trying, you know, I'm trying to be the big person and not completely lose my shit. <laughs> I'm sure he yeah. could hear my voice. You know what I mean? I mean, I was, yeah. I mean, I was sh- visibly shaking and I'm, cause I'm just thinking, how am I, like, what am I going to do? It's just me and him. Nobody knows where we're at. And I don't know, really know what to do. Like, you know, I just don't know what to do. I'm not going to shoot at it because it's huge. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know what the hell to do right now. And so I'm thinking, you know, my what's going through my mind is great. You know, I've really messed up. We're both going to get killed and nobody's going to know where we're at. And I've got two girls was what was going through my mind is, you know, you know, what have I done with my, you know, I've really messed up here, you know, kind of out of my league with my son and I've taken him out here and didn't, t- you know, I just didn't think to tell anybody exactly where we was mm-hmm. going to be hunting at. I was kind of dumb about it, you know, but I was just trying to, like I said, we, I mean, where we live at, the school lets out a full week for deer season. Deer season's a big uh-huh. deal around here. <laughs> they let go like out for a right full week. By, you know, when you left the area, that was the right thing to do. There was no staying, and that's why we just don't go back there. I'm like, and I've, you know, I've had people back, like my husband, he's like, well, we can go out there. I'm like, no. I'm like, I, I said, you I said, I'm not going back out there. And I was like, I don't think you can understand how scared I was. And I didn't tell him about it until actually I talked to you guys because I felt like he's going to hear me talking and be like, what the hell are you talking about? Because I didn't want mm-hmm. people to be like, that's what, I mean, especially in a small town, but, and I don't know, being female, I don't want people to be like, well, it could have been a raccoon track. You know, I mean, just something stupid. And I'm like, because the only person I told was like, oh, it was probably just the sand had washed out and made it shape like a footprint. I'm like, well, why would it do it like if it, I said, okay, I said, I, that, I said, I'm not going to lie, that went through my mind. Was it just kind of a spot something had sunk in and it just happens to be shaped like that? I said, but what's the odds of it being like step, you know, step, step yeah, in that shape? <laughs> and I'm like, it wouldn't just do that every so often. And yeah. I said, because I, I honestly thought about it. I said, if I'd just seen that one, I would have thought that exact same thing. Was it just kind of the sand washed out or something had stepped there and it kind of made that print? You know, that's what I would have thought, but not just step, 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 step. And from basically little fishing hole to little fishing hole down this river to little water puddles. Yeah. Yeah, it's And the pile of clams. I mean, it was clearly just looked like something had just sat there, cracked them open, and ate them. It was just piled up. Yeah, there's so many particulars of your story, Carla, that ring true as far as even the stuff your mom was talking about. Yeah. You know, the dwelling that was tore apart reminded me of the cowman story. That was yeah. very, very similar to that event. Well, that's what, when she, when I heard that story, because I hadn't, she hadn't told me until, like I said here recently when I was talking talking to her about it. And I mean, I had heard it, I guess probably heard her telling somebody or she may have even told me. And I was always thinking Southern Illinois, but my problem with that story was I just couldn't picture this thing going, you know, I'm like, really, like, no, it would not, It's a, if it's a wild animal, it's not going to walk in the house and tear the stove and the cabinets apart. And it just didn't, I don't know, I just, I guess I just didn't really, I guess, I hate to say I didn't believe it, but it just kind of seemed like just a story they might tell you to scare you or, 
you know, I don't know, just an old story people told or something. But Carla, if your if your son came to you tomorrow and said that he was ready to go back out there, would you go out there with him? Probably not. I mean, I wouldn't let him go out there. Probably yeah. not. I don't, you know, I might with my husband, but I mean, he's over well over six foot and he's been in the Marines. And I mean, I would obviously put my life in his hands. I just don't even think that, you know, I mean, I just don't mm-hmm. think that I would still wouldn't feel safe. I don't blame you. You know, it's funny, the the tearing up the house that you were talking about, I'd love to say I've never heard that before, but I've heard that a few times. And almost kind of the same way that you're describing, ripping the cabinets out, ripping the... um it's not uncommon. Yeah, it's not really that uncommon. As soon as the people left, it seemed to trigger that. Yeah. Yeah, that's what, I mean, he took his wife in, because... My grandma and grandpa, they're the ones that actually originally got that place. And then, like I said, it was for, like, my mom, my aunts, my uncles, different ones would stay there at different times. Or some of them, at, you know, sometimes at the same time. But my grandma, grandma and grandpa had, let me see, I think it was 30-some-odd grandkids. And we all just kind of played out there in the yard. Everywhere they lived, it was like that. But we would all get together, and there would be kids running everywhere. And my mom said she always felt like, the more kids that was there playing, the more noises you heard from the saw, you know, around the sawmill area. Mm-hmm. And she said that's when you would hear a lot of the screams. And she said, she said, I'm talking this. She said, when you would hear those screams, she said it would just. She said I can't describe how scary those sounds were. And she said, but we kind of put it in the back of our mind because it was always at that old sawmill. She said, I, I guess just I don't know if it, for whatever reason, it decided to come up that night, but. For my uncle to be scared, that scares me because he's a big guy and he just ain't, I mean, he hunts. I mean, I just don't see him getting so scared that he would yank his wife and kids up and leave. Yeah. Yeah, that's usually a pretty drastic measure. And, of course, my other uncle just made fun of him. But once he got there, he was scared, too. And then it hurting the dog. And which my uncle, he said, I'll never understand why it didn't just kill that dog. But he said it just picked it up and threw it in our direction. And he said and the dog hit the house. And he said, I really thought it killed it. Because it he said it laid there, the dog laid there and kind of like jerked. And he thought it had hit it mm-hmm. hard enough it either broke its neck or done brain damage. And he said, but, you know, the dog ended up living and it wasn't in really great shape. It was beaten battered. But it, when it, she, the dog, every time he said they when they went back, you know, after that and, you know, so they never, they didn't stay there that night. But during, of course, during the day, they got a hold of my grandpa, my grandpa, my uncles, all. They went and looked at the house, seen what damage was done, and started cleaning it up and stuff. And he said, you know, after that, anytime they would go there, the dog, he said, would almost wet itself being outside. Like he said, every time they would take it out to go to the bathroom, it would just sit and shake, and like be, you know, like looking from side to side, like it was watching, you know just waiting for something to grab it. And he said, you know, this little beagle, he said, I can't believe it went off after it anyway. He said, but it was just, you know, just hauled ass out there, you know, into the dark. And he said, next thing you know, this thing just comes flying and smacks up against the house. I can't think of too many animals that will pick up a dog and throw it besides, you know, human or right. If it was, mm-hmm. Yeah, if it was like a bobcat or something, it would have just killed it. It wouldn't have chunked the dog. But again, I you know I seen the movie Harry and the Hendersons, and for some reason, when I'd heard him talk about it throwing that dog, you know, the part where it throws the dog and the guy catches it or whatever, I think mm-hmm. that's what I pictured in my mind. 
And kind of when I picture Bigfoot, that's why I guess I thought it was a fairy tale. Because when I pictured Bigfoot, I pictured that thing. So it was just, that's why I always say it's like a fairy tale. I mean, it was just kind of like a movie, you know, just something that people talked about, but it wasn't. Yeah, it's something that most people don't, you know, they don't have any real concept of until they walk into one. If that thing would have got enough where I could see any kind of feature, I I honestly probably would have had a heart attack. I don't think, like just seeing what I seen, the huge outline, that was, because the width, I mean, the width of this thing was just, I don't even know. I could, I don't know. It was huge. I can yeah, definitely that's understand a terrifying that. encounter, Carla. Yeah, I don't want to have another one. I mean, we still go out like, and what, oh, when I got on the one that you said about the, um, any other reports around here. Now, I did get on the, I think I told you, I, you know, I reported to BRFO and then they contacted me, but I kind of had started watching that show and it was so dumb that I quit watching it. So I just, after I reported it and they tried to email me back, I just ignored it. You know, I just didn't answer. I was like, I'm not talking Sorry to people. Sorry about clapping that. That show is silly. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm not responding to these people because it's just, I'm not doing it. But on that same site was a report of a woman, I think it said a woman and her mother, and it said it, and it is anonymous, and um, said that they had, I think, almost hit one or seen one on T Highway. And it was, I think, in the early 80s when they seen one there which would have been all around the same time that that happened to my mom and my uncle and all of them, was kind of all in that, like, early 80s, between 80 and 85. Right. right. But uh, that that woman had, I don't know if she almost hit it or just one had crossed the road, but that report was on there. and That was the only one I seen on there. I was like, oh, well, I didn't feel as stupid because I'm like, well, somebody else, I mean, they don't want to say who they are, but they seen it and over there on T-Highway. So I'm like, so I'm not the only person that's had something from around here. But then when my mom was like, she's like, no, that was in Fairdilling and T Highway. And I'm like, that happened to us. And I'm like, so that's in that same time area. That's, I know at least three different, four different people that's seen it in that area. There's and our little fishing hole is not, right. It just, I'm sure there's plenty of people that's seen it. Like my husband's mom said that her, her grand or her dad always told her, because she would cut to the woods from her her husband's house to her dad's house because she kind of took care of him and cooked for him and stuff. And he'd tell her, once it gets starts getting dark, you don't cut, you know, you drive the road, you don't walk through the woods. He's like, you drive over here. And she said, I don't, you know, she always, she thought maybe there was, she always thinks there's a cat They because their animals has chased stuff even here recently. Something's been out there and killed emus and things like that out there and their donkeys. And she's like, I don't know. She's like, I think there's a big cat or something out there. And there, and there may be. But I always just kind of wondered, of course, he's passed away now, but I always thought, I thought, well, maybe that's why he didn't want her walking out there, because maybe he had seen something. Because they live in the woods, like off in the middle of the woods. Yeah, it's very possible. And she said he never, you know, really said why, but he'd just tell her, you know, it's not safe, you don't walk through there. You know, if it's even close to dark, you don't walk through there. You drive your car over here, but you don't walk through the woods. Yeah, that's crazy. You wonder what he's seen. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I told my husband. I said, I kind of just, I said, I just wish he was still here so I could just ask him, you know, like, had, if he had seen anything in the area, because he lived there for so long. And it's so thick woods. Like, the, around here, it's so, there's not a lot of people. I mean, it's just not a lot. Of, it's mostly filled in woods. And there's spots that the woods are so, I mean, ridiculously thick that nobody goes out there because you don't, I mean, you have to go through honeysuckles and, 
briars and blackberries. We have a lot of black, wild blackberries around here. And it's just so thick you can't get through there. So there's a lot of yeah. places here that nobody goes just because it's not convenient. Yeah. And the only other story I heard was an old man told my aunt one time that they migrated, that he said they migrated through here because the place we fished, you can actually, if you walk that river, it will lead you into Arkansas. And he told her years ago that they migrated from through Missouri and up into Arkansas and I don't know where from there. But he said that people know that they pass through there. He said they don't stay here, but they do pass through. Well, we appreciate you coming on, Carla. We appreciate you sharing your encounter. I mean, I'm still... Yeah, I'm still soaking it all in. Yeah, it's yeah, that's like, a I don't know if you can tell, but when I talk, my my breath catches because my heart's like. Yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah thank you so much for telling us, Carla. But now I'm like kind of, you know, like I was telling my husband about it, and he's like, well, I don't know, he's he's like he loves being out in the woods and stuff, and he's like, you know, he's like I'm gonna start, he's like just kind of going out and looking for stuff, and he's like, he said they can't be that common around here. He's like so. And I was like, well, I don't know. It's like, I, <laughs> I said, oh, you, you might do that. I don't know. I'd be interested to see what's around that sawmill. That seems to be their focal point. Yeah, that's what my mom said. She said, like, the, um, I don't know, I don't know what kind of slabs or whatever they call them. She said, I mean, she said they were really tall. You know, she said you couldn't see over them, and there was just piles of them. And the sawmill had just been abandoned. And, you know, she didn't know why it was abandoned. They just called it the old abandoned sawmill. And there was just slabs, piles of slabs everywhere out there. And she said, Carl, now they how long has it been abandoned? Uh, I, now, I couldn't tell you that because, like, that's a secondhand story for my mom. And I, would, right. I don't really know how long it had been abandoned or, but I just kind of thought, well, if they found those tracks and stuff out there, maybe that's, because, I mean, that's kind of odd to leave. That's a lot of lumber to have all these piles of, slabs laying out there or wood or whatever that they had piled up I guess to haul off and they just left it I mean why saw them all out if you're not going to take it so I thought well maybe because yeah, something you know was messing with them out there and they just left it possible. I don't think there's anybody that really researches it in this area and there's not a whole lot of people I guess that may be why but I so I'm kind of interested I'm scared but then again I'm kind of interested into trying to see if other people have stories just I don't know to kind of verify mine, I guess. <laughs> and just because nobody researches around here, I'm like, I mean, if they're out here, nobody would even know it because nobody would be, nobody looks for it or knows, you know, says anything about it. I'm like, I know nobody's looking for them around here. I said, I don't necessarily want to find one, but I would like to find tracks because if I would have, I don't know, I I just think like, oh, I should have tried to find like some way to cast that because it was such a good print because Around here, it holds prints good because I guess it used to be, I've always heard it used to be swamp land, but it's real sandy, you know, and it's just like when you see a deer track, I mean, you can see a deer track. It's You can see all the details of deer track, and same thing with yeah. anything that walks there. I can send you a casting guide that'll teach you how to do it. Okay. Yeah, that'd be great, and like I said, I think we're going to kind of, I kind of feel better because now it's not just me because before, like I said, I was a single mom and I was just panicked on kind of cussing myself like well, you are r- way out of your league here. But, yeah. you know, I mean, I don't want to run into one, but if, with him with me, I wouldn't mind going out like just, in the, you know, I'd go back, maybe go back. I would not go out to those woods. 
I wouldn't go that far, but I would go to the riverbank because, you know, it's October now. So I'm like, well, maybe if I just went to the riverbanks, even though you can't walk down the river no more, maybe it would be still passing through, just not down in the river. It just be, had to be on the bank. But just to see if we see anything. Well, be careful when you're out there, Carla. Be careful when you're oh, out there. Oh, I'm never going out. alone. Yeah. I mean, I'll, we have, I mean, we, I don't think we have a gun big enough because we don't have like elephant guns or anything, but I would never mm-hmm. go out there without a weapon and I would never go alone. And I, I mean, I would just, my husband's specially trained in the Marines, so he, you know, he knows how to track things and things like that. So like if, yeah. if I seen a footprint, I would probably be like, okay, yeah, I've seen it and now I'm ready to go. <laughs> Yeah. I well, I just it. want to tell you that you you handled that situation really well, considering what was going on. So, well, thank you. It was such an awesome encounter. I sure appreciate it. Well, thank mm-hmm. you very much. And um, well, I guess that. And what what well, part of the country are you in? I live in I live in it's called Naylor, Missouri. It's like I said, it's a oh. really little town. Don't don't you mean Missouri? <laughs> <laughs> I said Missouri. Depends on where you're from. Yeah, I said Missouri one time, and a guy just, he just gave it to me. He, he verbally gave me the <laughs> down and told me it was Missouri. <laughs> I guess everybody pronounces everything different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do the same thing when somebody says Illinois. I'm like, that is not how you say it, because I was born in Illinois. <laughs> so I'm like, that. You, it's not noise. Like, that's not how that's pronounced. <laughs> yeah. We get the same thing out here where people say Oregon. Yeah, like I've heard you tell me that. Yeah, or oh, Washington. Washington. Oh, my goodness. Washington. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we, now, we all do talk. So we got that. So we say ain't, and we got all kinds of. My um, What was funny is my kid, my son had a spelling test, and he spelled Kentucky like Kentucky, like C U N. Oh. He said, Mom, I sounded it out. I said, We are hillbillies. You don't sound things I'm like, it doesn't do us any that's good to great. sound stuff out because then that's where we get the people thinking we're rednecks. That's yeah. <laughs> I was like, his teacher just put a big smiley face by the word, like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, what else do you do? He's definitely, he's definitely a redneck in Kentucky. <laughs> I sure appreciate it, Carl. I sure appreciate you coming on and sharing. It was an awesome encounter, and it was actually a yeah, lot of stories you shared were awesome. Okay. But yeah. I appreciate your time and thanks for listening to my story and good night everybody. Bye bye. Good night, Carla. That's that's one of the better ones we've heard in a while. I was not expecting that. That is so cool. It's kept moving closer. It's again. Remember how I say things repeat in this subject with these yeah. stories, with the dwelling yeah. torn up after the people left. It, it's instantly my mind went to Cowman and there are other accounts just like that one. If people would just take 10 minutes to look at this, you know, there's so many corroborating stories and facts. It's so over and over and over again. It's never, you know, the sign, the sign of fakery is something that sticks way out in the middle of left field. Next on the show, I want to welcome Roger. And Roger had a few encounters where he came face to face with Sasquatch. And him and I were talking the other day. He sent me some tracks he had seen. He had taken photographs of. But I want to welcome to the welcome Roger to the show. Hi, Roger. How are you this evening? Pretty good, Mr. How are you doing? Pretty good. I understand you know my buddy, Lupe Mendoza. Yes, I do. Very well. Yeah, Lupe's, a, Lupe's a great guy. Tell us, I guess, um, so we can get this going. You've had several encounters, right? I've had three visual encounters, and I've had two 
sound encounters, or I don't even know how you would put that. But, okay, uh, well, let's go ahead and start with the first one. And tell us what you were doing leading up to the event. I guess, how long ago did that happen the first time? That happened back in, the first one happened around 80, 83. Okay. okay, we'll start there. And tell us what you were doing leading up to that encounter. Well, actually, we were, it was me and uh, four other people. I think around that time, I was around 11 or 12, something like that. We were at my grandmother's house. 15, 20 miles from where I actually live at right now. Us kids, we're outside just playing and just doing whatever kids do, you know. We were, well, my grandmother's house at the time was right across the street from a a large field, pasture-like. And we were just chunking rocks, uh, making noise, whatever. All of a sudden, we were looking across the field, and there was a bush, would look like a bush, in the middle of that field, and we're like, there's no bushes in that field. We've never actually seen one. Not that we've never really paid attention, but there was a bush, what we thought was a bush. All of a sudden, whatever it was got up and started walking. I'm like, that wasn't a bush. We all got scared, and we ran inside to my, my grandmother's house, and we told her there was hairy thing on the other side of the, of the road in the field. <clears throat> and this actually happened in a town well I'll, I'll go ahead and give you the name of the town it's orchard texas and it's about in that field it's about two miles from the brazos brazos river because I've, I've already understand it they access through uh creeks and rivers and stuff like that yeah that was that was uh one of the incidents i mean it didn't do anything but it walked off towards the uh where the river was at, the river, like I said, was like two miles from there. So it started walking that direction, and we didn't see it anymore after that. Okay. The second encounter happened about a year or two later. Uh, where it happened was in a place called East Bernard, Texas, a uh, little town. We had actually already moved to where I currently live right now. And uh, my dad had a old 69 Impala. And the house that was there was was uh, like maybe a block away from the landlord's house. And the landlord had a salvage yard there. Well, my dad went to go pull a motor for his old '69 uh, Impala because his, his motor had blown out. So we went over there one Saturday, and it was me, my dad, my uncle, and my cousin. Well, they were uh, taking the, the other car apart so they, they can pull the motor. And me and my cousin went down uh, in between our old house, our old rental house, and the landlord's house. There's a pond off to the side in between, in, uh, inside the pasture, inside the tree line. And one thing i got to mention about that, that part of where that this incident took place is called uh, the river, or the creek of the river, is called San Bernard. We went to go to the little pond so we can mess around, and, and we were catching minnows and stuff. And, well, we were there for about 30 minutes, me and him, and I finally got bored of it. So I crossed the crossed the barbed wire fence back to the other side where the turn row was because in between the, the landlord's house and our old rental house was a turn row. And from that turn row, there was a cornfield. Well, anyway, when I stepped across the barbed wire fence and I, I got into the middle of the turn row, I don't know why, but I looked towards our old rental house. And right when I looked up towards the house, I saw something 
carry big right in that turn row pulling corn from the stock and that sort of gave me a real quick shot I looked away for a second and looked back to see if that's what I was really looking at and uh, the same time I looked it was still there so I turned around walked or yeah I think I walked because I didn't run because I didn't I know if uh, as a little kid I even know you know you run away from something that's going to chase you if it sees you so I just walked away calmly and and I got back over there to where my dad and my uncle were and sat right there where they were working and he said I thought you were playing and he's like uh, I'm like no I'm done playing I'm gonna stay right here I'm not moving anymore and that stayed till we left that afternoon after we got to pull that motor and I didn't tell anybody about that, so I just kept it to myself. And that was the end of that. <clears throat> now, the third incident happened actually here where I live. It was the incident happened because uh, every evening after we ate dinner, we would give our, our dog. I had a dog. We had a dog named Rex. And we would give him the table scraps and whatever was left over. So my mom sent me and my brother out, and we usually used to go get rid of him where his, his doghouse was behind a little lean uh, garage. Well, I mean, it had a slant. It didn't have a pitch on it. It just had a slant. That's why I said lean. We were going to go throw it behind it, but as soon as we came off the porch, and we had, uh, mind you, we had one of those uh, big flashlights that take the, what is it, the big 9-volt square battery, the, you know, the big flashlight. So anyway, we, we got off the porch. Not as soon, just as soon as we got off the porch, we started lighting the way towards the, the garage and there was something big standing there and looked at us and the the main thing I remember about that was uh, when the light hit whatever was eyes they brightened up amber like like yellowish amber and all I seen was teeth and eyes because that light was pretty strong it's not like a little you know little regular light flashlight this thing lit up its face and half of its body and <laughs> yeah actually wow. what triggered that what triggered that was a picture that was taking taken in florida of that swamp ape or that skunk ape behind the palmetto right. palmetto leaves that, that picture i know circulated circulated around pretty much it looked exactly like that hmm. but big because the the top of the the garage is at least was was at least nine foot, and it stood a little bit above or maybe just almost even with the top part of that 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 lean or that slanted garage. Like I said, it didn't have it didn't have a pitch like a regular garage. It had like a a lean on it. So at the highest part of the the the, the part uh, highest part of the garage was at least nine foot. But needless to say, after we saw that we. Uh, we had to step up to the porch, you know, with, with the use of stairs. We didn't even, I didn't even use the stairway. I jumped up on the porch. I didn't even look back. We dropped the, 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 uh, the table scraps. We both jumped in, jumped up on the porch. I said, like I said, we didn't even use the steps. It was, it was at least, for us being little kids, it was, it was high enough to where we would have had to struggle, but we didn't struggle that time. Needless to say, my mom still made us go get rid of it, and we walked out of our porch onto the main road, which is like 3rd Street or 4th Street, 
Star Street and, and Avenue G was, was the actual crossroads or cross streets of where the house used to stand here in town. But we, uh, like I said, she made us go back out there and we came out to the street. Instead of going through our yard, we came out to the street, walked the length of the house and where the garage was at, still lighting up the back of the house and the garage. I forgot to mention this, but right behind there, off Cata Corner, is a store, a little driving store, and it's all lit up. But the back of our house is, was, like I'm saying, was dark. But we lit up the back of the, back of the yard because we weren't, and, and we, we walked as quiet as we could because whatever we saw, we didn't know if it was still there or not. But uh, Was it just standing by the house? It was standing right at the end of the garage at the highest point and right off to the side of the house. Jesus. The front part of the garage was about 10 feet from the, the street. And the weird thing about it is Rex was always ready and he knew what time we were coming out with because it was like clockwork that we would get rid of the table scraps and we didn't see him anywhere. That's what I was going mean, to ask is where was the dog? <laughs> he, he wasn't around. That's, that was the weird part about it. And uh, he usually waited the down, at the end of the stairway, uh, you know, and he wasn't there. So we figured he was in the back of the garage. He was nowhere to be. And at that, the next day, the food wasn't even messed with. I mean, he was still alive. Uh, I'm not saying that something happened to him, but he just, like, disappeared. Like, yeah. didn't want to. And like, like I said, clock, that guy. No. And for the listeners out there who haven't seen that skunk ape picture that you're talking about, Roger, it kind of looks like like an orangutan on steroids is kind of what the picture looks like. Actually, you know what? Another thing that I was, like, kind of trying to refer to, I don't know if you've ever watched that movie, uh, War of Gargantua. It had that same kind of build, only thicker and hairy matted, or, you know, something something like that. Especially with the way the teeth look. I mean, they kind of had that look to it, too. But, I mean, but it was, it's like, like you said, the orangutan skunk tape picture. The two sound ones happened along that same river, that same river bottom. It was me, my cousin, and my brother were at the same river river bottom part, but in another town uh, about five miles from, from Orchard from the first sighting that I had. You know, we were kids. We still were messing around down in the river bottom. The river was dry. And we went walking down in the river bottom, or the, the river, the sandy part of the bottom, because they had dried out. And we were just exploring like kids do. We went about, from my grandmother's, uh, well, this is the second house that my grandmother was living at in Wallace, like five miles from Orchard. So we went as far as we could go. Me and my cousin and my brother started walking back. About midway, <coughs> excuse me, about midway that we came back, something on top, because this part, of, I got to explain, this part of the river bottom had, you know, if you look on both ways, inside the river bottom, the, the, the walls of it were at least uh, 10 foot on both sides. So it's, it's the part, very part, very bottom of the river. Anyhow, midway we said we we started hearing some uh, some footsteps from the top, and we we're like, oh, well, there's probably somebody in there. Probably somebody is walking in the woods or that in there. All of a sudden, we can hear some heavy breathing, and uh, I was like, oh hell. So I told my brother and and, and my cousin, I said. When I tell you to, run, don't look back. And as soon as we did that, 
you could hear vibrations from the top echoing through the walls of the of the river, the walls of the river, and it was running through brush. I mean, it's pretty thick with brush, palmetto leaves, and, and all that up on top. And there's uh, uh, wild grapevines and all that. So whatever it was, I mean, if it was a regular human, it couldn't have run through there. And I, I, I already know that, you know, growing up and messing around in the woods and stuff. You can't run like that. Not up there. Well, there, whatever it was, like I said, you could hear the vibrations from the top echoing through the walls of the river. We got to the entrance of where we came down into the river, and luckily there was there were some people there saning, saning fish out of the... A little ditch that that stayed filled with water and fish, and uh, we're like, okay, there's there's two adults and kids there, so we kind of stayed around them and helped them sing a little bit. And then as soon as we were done, we we're like, uh, okay, uh, we're leaving now. And the guy said, okay, well, thanks for helping us out. No, we're like, no, thank you. And we left. We climbed up out of the river and we left. So <laughs> that was, nice. and then it it stopped. It stopped about maybe 20, 25 yards before. I guess it could see the people down. Whatever it was, I'm pretty sure it could see because it stopped 20 or 30 yards before you got to that entrance. That's terrifying. And, uh, as soon as we climbed out, yeah. we, we never went back. I don't blame you. And then the second one and the very last time I've ever seen or heard anything, it was uh, 2003 along the same river bottom. I was about 28, 29. I had a um, uh, gotten together with my wife. I was already, like I said, 27, 28, 29, something like that. And we were at a, a fishing dock inside the park near, there's a little park called um, Catherine Bates uh, or something like that, a uh, uh, park. It's in the town called Kendallson. Well, anyway, we're, <clears throat> it was after work and uh, I wanted to go fishing and we went over there to that, to that, to that pier, that dock. And it's on that river in that bottom, that river bottom. And we were there for about maybe, 10, 15 minutes. I didn't even get to fish because all of a sudden, off in the distance, real heavy snaps, branches being snapped. And I told my wife, I said, did you hear that? She she said, no, well, she's from the city, so she really doesn't, she's not really accustomed to hearing noises in a, yeah. in a forest or, but growing up, you and like I said, messing around in the woods like we did when we were kids, we heard everything. Uh, you know, you can hear when people are walking on leaves, you can hear people walking through through brush that, you know, just if there's not a path, you know, you hear stuff like that. You, you understand what those sounds are and try to understand what those sounds are, you know, growing up in the, you know, in that, in, you know, basically growing up in the woods, messing around in the woods. Well, anyhow, like I said, I hadn't dropped my line in about 10 minutes. All of a sudden, I heard tree branch branches snapping. And all of a sudden, something took off full speed towards the dock where we're at, running through those palmetto leaves. And it was far off in the distance enough to where I can tell. I told my wife, I said, you know what? You and the kids get in the car, take the keys. Because I had everything. I had all my fishing equipment all spread out on the dock. I had my, my tackle box, my, my two rods, just everything all to where I couldn't just throw it in the car because we had a Mitsubishi Eclipse at that time. But anyhow, <clears throat> like I said, I told her to jump in the car, take the kids with her, take the keys, lock the door, something happened, and get, get out of here. She goes, why? And then she finally heard what I was hearing. So she hurried up and got the kids and everything. And I, and I was reeling up my rods and putting on my stuff and keeping an eye on, on, on the, where the palmetto leaves, where the sound was coming from. 
soon as I got there, as soon as I got everything all all wound up on my rods, I didn't even adjust them in, in the back of the car. I just laid them in the car, put the trunk down, put my tackle box in it. Didn't even, you know, have time to put a, a, the bungee cord around it because there was no room for the rods, but I still went fishing like that. But, you know, what I'm saying is I just laid them in there, closed the trunk, got in the car and left. You know, when you hear the Lord snaps and then something bolting right to, to your uh, position, that's the sound of uh, it's time to go. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Well, be safe, man. Appreciate you listening to the show. Appreciate you, you know, coming on, sharing your encounter. I know it wasn't easy for you, but we sure appreciate uh, you taking the time to, to tell us the stories and, you know, go over all the different things that have happened to you. And uh, I don't know if you... Uh ever had a chance to look it up, but what I was telling you the other day when uh, you called me about the uh, casting they made out of those river bottoms just in the courthouse in Wharton. I don't know if you ever got a chance to look at that. Or... Oh, I never I got a chance look... to look that up. Yeah, they put the uh, uh, cast of the yeah. footprints in the courthouse. Like on display. Really? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that, that casting was take, taken out of the... Uh, from what I've read... It was taken out of those river bottoms by a crew back in the early 70s. And I didn't know anything about it until I was looking up stories. And there's actually a lot of stories from that area, too, which is about 20 miles from a river bottom. They took, like I said, they took a casting out of there. And it's supposed to be uh, on display in the courthouse in Wharton. I wanted to thank you for coming on the show. I mean, I wanted to thank you for, like I said, I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you. Sharing, I know it's not easy. Well, I've tried to listen to the podcast. Uh, actually, I just started listening to podcasts about about a week or two ago, and all the other ones I found, all the other ones I've tried to listen to, they don't they don't have the same information or or that y'all do. The way y'all handle the interviews and stuff like that, that's why I actually messaged that one day that I had seen heard when I first uh, started trying to contact y'all. And that's mainly the reason why I haven't contacted or tried to talk to anybody else. I think uh, about eight years ago, I tried contacting the BFRO through their through their uh, messages or whatever, tell your story type thing, and they never got back to me, so I never bothered with them anymore. I appreciate it. Appreciate you saying all those kind things, man. It's um, huh? it's fun to hear people's stories. You know, it's fun to hear what happened to other people, and I think it allows people to want to come out and share you know hey this and it's funny a lot of the stories they all kind of have the same common thread you know it's the same type of behavior it's usually the same type of descriptions we appreciate it ma'am thank you all very much for listening to me uh, I had never I had never told anybody else till now appreciate it alright buddy thank you take care of the year. you too absolutely have thank a good you bye 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 Well, we want to thank our guests tonight and, of course, all of our wonderful listeners. We thank each and every one of you, and we will see you guys next time.